on the air and streaming on the web since 1996, this is the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. This is Talking Soundtracks with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Hello again, my name is Jason Drury and welcome once again to Talking Soundtracks on the Cinematic Sound Radio Podcast. My guest today has scored music for over 30 feature films, multiple TV series, video games, as well as a full-length ballet for the Finnish National Opera. His name is Pano Altio. Best known for his emotional work on major nature documentaries, Pano's melodic orchestral sound has also graced dramatic scores such as Super Furball Saves the Future, as well as Finders of a Lost Yacht, a swashbuckling adventure that takes place on the Baltic Sea. Another of his recent projects is 5,000 Blankets, released in the US at the end of 2022, which follows the story of a woman and her young son who set out to find her husband when he goes missing after having a mental breakdown, which sparks a movement in their city. At the end of January 2023 for Talking Soundtracks on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, I had the pleasure to talk to Panel Altio. During the interview, we talked about his music for film and television, his award-winning music for nature documentaries, and his hopes for his future career, as well as talking initially about his wonderful score for 5,000 Blankets.
Pado and Teo, welcome to Talking Soundtracks. Hey, thank you. Now, first of all, tell us about your latest project, 5,000 Blankets. Yeah, that was actually uh, a really interesting project in how it came about because director Ami Matalka had actually heard uh, my music on a podcast. That was really cool. And we, we kind of kept in touch because that was already in 2016. So it's been a while. And now it's just like the perfect project sort of came along where we, we could work together. So that already for that reason, that was, was really cool because I know I mean, it's such a lover of film music, so I always wanted to work for him. I really love the sort of heart that the movie had immediately from the first time I watched it. I, I knew we could do some really nice music in there because it has a very human story. I mean, it's a very musical director. There's a lot of room for the music to do things, so I could really develop like themes, very elaborate themes and very melodic themes. So very cool project. Were there any directions for the director or producers as to how they wanted the film scored? I think we just kind of started sort of finding the tone of the movie. So I started doing these sort of theme tests and, and sketches. And once Amin sort of picked which one he liked the most, that kind of already gave us a good sort of direction because I was trying out also different sort of emotions and tones with those themes. So it was just not variations of the same kind of melody, but they were very different, some very somber ones. And, and this was more about the sort of the family happiness that we kind of picked on. Or I mean, definitely like picked that one very quickly. Like I, he liked that one. Then I kind of took that and started orchestrating it through the movie of course we had spotted the movie so we kind of knew where we we wanted the music and i mean so we had very sort of good thoughts about how to sort of paste the score and movie so then i kind of started applying the themes with, with that idea and yeah i think combined with how i mean had already thought of about the music in the movie and and with those themes i was kind of able to kind of just run through the movie and, and make sort of the first draft. And then we started doing some improvements based on there were some scenes where he had some ideas on how to develop them further. But yeah, I think that was basically it. So that's just finding the themes. And then uh, he already kind of knew what, what, what he wanted the music to tell in each scene. Well, I had a wonderful experience today listening to your score again. And I just noticed, obviously, that wonderful theme at the beginning and how you developed that theme throughout the film, particularly how it disintegrates at the end of the score. Yeah, we already talked about that in the beginning, that it, this is kind of going to be an interesting journey with the main theme because the family is together in the beginning and that very quickly goes away because the father gets sick and it disappears. So then it was really about how do we build back up to something new? I mean, without spoiling the movie, but it, obviously we are arriving in a slightly different place than where we started. And how do you tell that with the theme? And actually that the ending was kind of tough to to do at first I, I did like a first draft though it just wasn't i only could felt feel like it wasn't really really hitting the right notes and but then uh, i mean just say like don't try to play the scene too much because i was still like even though it was sort of the final scene i was still sort of playing the action it was just like just play the emotion like just just show me in the music how you feel about this and then i just kind of let the music take over it was like very great direction i would say because it, it just kind of set me free to do some kind of new version of the theme and it, it, it I think it became like one of Amin's favorite themes and cues in the movie and certainly it's one of my, my favorites as well because that's where the music really sets off in the, in the end.
Yes, I can hear the emotions in your music without seeing any of the visuals. It's really effective. Oh, they're very cool. Thank you. How long did it take you to score 5,000 Blankets? We kind of hit the ground running on that. I perhaps spent like a month on the composition and then we had to record and mix pretty quickly. So I would say probably two months all in all for the whole thing from the first theme to, to the end, uh, around that time. So it was uh, it was definitely not much time to sort of second guess myself, which is also can be a very good thing. I'm sort of... Uh, overly self-critical easily and and even in this movie like uh, with the last cue i started sort of overthinking some notes and i i changed them and i mean was like no 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 the, the first one was really good so go back to the first one and i'm glad he said that because uh, i was i was already sort of getting lost in in, in the woods so it's it's sort of so important to sort of keep the big picture with melodies that's actually just like a anecdote for my first feature film the home of dark butterflies that was obviously also a very melodic score and my mom happened to walk into studio while i was working on that and and i had played her like the first theme and actually get the same advice back then like go back to the first one <laughs> they was better and, and in both cases the advice was complete right so it's sometimes easier for people outside to, to see because you might be as the composer sort of too deep into the music so now where was this school recorded and what size of orchestra did you use for five thousand blankets yeah that's using the budapest art orchestra i, I think it was around 50 strings it's it's a sizable string orchestra like a real proper string orchestra so we could really get that sort of very warm and nice emotional sound that we had uh, woodwind players here in finland that i recorded that they're the same players that i've already used on like tale of a forest and and those nature films so so i know them well so they they came back for this and there's guitar the guitar player andrew sinovich is in los angeles so he he did it there and then there's some vocals finnish vocalists my partner partner mayu she's she's the other vocalist and then there's a pop singer Virpi Arama who kind of sings in the end credits song kind of does this choir thing so yeah I think that's mostly the musicians now let's go back to the very beginning now how did your interest in music originally start uh well in music in general I I am I'm from a family that has sort of always had music in, in it because my actually my parents met in a choir. So that always starts from there. And my mom has been a piano teacher, like and also a performing pianist, but uh, she's done her main career as, as a piano teacher in, in like the local music school. And she actually had a cello because she always loved sound of the cello, but only played that as sort of a small hobby. But then she kind of planted that seed in me when she she asked like would I like to play the cello and at the time I actually I had just learned off a TV series this kind of phrase like don't even don't even think about it and I, I thought I just wanted to use it because I was like three years old so I couldn't understand what she was actually asking so when she asked do you want to play this cello I was like don't even think about it so she, she actually shoved the cello and then after a couple of years I was like you hey, know I actually like to play the cello so so we had to get a new one and then I was like six or seven and started playing the cello so that's kind of where the orchestral part comes from around that time i also started sort of experimenting with making my own music on the computer i had like a commodore amiga where i had a music program and i remember my dad just passing by in the, in the in the hallway when i was trying the first thing i ever did and he's very sort of always that's probably where my sort of self-criticism come, comes from because he always will say something negative first so it's kind of very finished thing like and i he was just like um, you know you should probably 
not make it so you need to add some repetition because it's hard to listen to this because it's it doesn't make any sense <laughs> so i think that was my first music feedback ever and but i started doing my own music on the computer mostly like electronic music because i was really into like the prodigy and chemical brothers and this kind of 90s british electronic bands i didn't really do orchestral music at first at all i was this cello playing was sort of a separate thing entirely then I think it was like Hans Zimmer's sort of mid 90s scores uh, where I started to like really thinking about, hey, I could use both of these in film music. Uh, this very sort of different different thinking where, where other genres seem to have sort of very divided. You, ha you had the electronic music or you had some orchestral music. But that was when I started thinking like maybe I could use these both. And I, I really got into film music at that point. And, but then I kind of expanded into the orchestral stuff and really the more orchestral composers. Now, when did you decide to have a go at making film music a career? Um, I I didn't really think I could make it a career at the time, honestly. When I applied to Sibelius Academy, which is sort of the main music university in Finland, and I applied to the music technology department, they didn't have like a film scoring program, but but I felt that was the closest because I could, I needed the technology stuff, and then I could sort of customize it and, and do composition on the side. But I, I never said I'm going to be a film composer. I always said it like I'm interested in film music. So I, so I was just proclaiming myself as very interested in this subject, but I never thought I would actually make it until I actually started getting feature films. And it was like, oh, it seems like I'm actually doing this. But uh, it just felt very un unrealistic and distant at the time. So I don't think I ever decided it. But I, I was just really passionate about it, and and so I went to study it. Even though I probably like, if I was being sort of very sort of calculative, I, I should have picked my other hobby, which was programming, and gone to like the sort of programming schools in Finland, which we of course had many at the time already. So that that would be the wise professional choice but i just kind of followed my passion what it's such a cliche but i, I guess it, it really <laughs> was that way that thing at the time so i'm, I'm pleased you decided to go to film music i've done the stuff you're, you're working is fantastic in my opinion oh thank you yeah yeah sometimes when especially at the start of my career i i often would look at my sort of programming friends and uh, with, with envy because they had sort of stable jobs and they didn't need to worry about income and stuff like this but i in hindsight i, I feel like it was the right choice <laughs> your, your, your patience won out at the end yes <laughs> now how did you get that all-important first assignment um well the first feature film happened Basically, because I went to do this, this was like one of the best advice I ever got because I, I contacted this Finnish film composer, Tuomas Kantelinen, when I started my studies at, at Sibelius Academy. And, and he basically told me a couple of things, but, but one, one thing he said was really important was that I go to the film school and offer to score their short films because not only would I learn how to work with filmmakers and, and talk like a filmmaker and with filmmakers, but also I would have those contacts later on. I really didn't understand how profound that was until I, I moved to Los Angeles to study at USC and I and I did some interning in, in LA and all stuff like that. But then I got an offer to do a feature film in Finland, The Home of Darker Dark Butterflies, which was by one of the major production companies in Finland. And the director was up and coming director. And it was, it was like, well, where did this come from? I, I had no idea. So, and then I found out that it was the uh, couple of the sound people on the team who had been starting to talk to the director that, hey, we, we did some uh, student films with this composer. And he, apparently they said, I, I wrote well under dialogue. And because the movie had a, had a lot of dialogue scenes where you needed music, they said, probably should check out Panu. 
So, so that's, that's how that happened. So it was, it was definitely sort of a continuation of those student films, but they happened like five years earlier. So it, it takes time for these sort of relationships to move into sort of new phases in your career. So, so it was really important that I, that was like one of the first things I did when I uh, got to the music university to start scoring student films that I, did, I didn't just wait until I was sort of ready in quotes. You're probably never ready, really. So <laughs> it was definitely the, the right time to get in them as soon as possible. You have a wonderful orchestral sound and it seems to go very well in documentaries of which you've won three IFMCA awards. Tell us about your score for the first one, Tales of yeah, the yeah. Forest. That was like the first time I did a nature film. So I, I didn't really have any idea what that would be like. Like. So it was a producer that I knew from, I had done like a thriller film for their company. After a while, asked me to score Tale of Forest because that was sort of his sort of pet project I was really into. And I had no idea if ever anybody was ever going to watch it because it was typically, if you do like a major documentary like that in Finland, you're going to get like a couple thousand people watching it. And they, they were saying that they wanted to release it in theaters. So I was like, this is really interesting. I don't know. They probably won't get many people to view it. So I just thought, I'm, I'm just going to do really just treat for ourselves, just make something that I, I really love. And, you know, nature is a really important subject for me. So I was like, I'm just going to do what I, as good a job as I can, even though nobody's ever going to hear this. <laughs> so that was kind of how I started off on that. It felt really hard at first because it didn't have a structure like you would find in a drama film, which I'd, I'd done mostly before or in some horror films at that point. It was very open-ended and I, at first I was like, I don't know what to do. There's just like, there's close-ups of birds sitting on twigs and I, I, I don't know, how do you score this? And then I sort of started to realize through some trial and error that this was going to be more of like a project like you would do like an album, like where the music really has more freedom because this was not one of those sort of very narrative nature documentaries. We know there are some of these that have very sort of semantic narratives and and th this was more of uh kind of just observing the nature and of course there are some events that are happening but it, you're, you're kind of this observer that goes through these different moments so i, I started scoring it sort of as like i was just writing an album of, of nature music and that's really opened up some like creative ideas as well because it was like well now i i don't need to constantly be worrying about getting out of the way i can sort of just let the music be music. I think that became tremendously freeing and, and just we didn't have a lot of money for a big orchestra as so I, I think I had like 10 string players and the same four woodwinds as I had on 5,000 blankets. I you know, I didn't even have any brass on, on Taylor first so I think I had 14 players total so I, I had to do sample brass on that. And also I think because I had so few players I had to be sort of more inventive of how to use like the woodwinds just get the most out of them so I decided one of the cues to just write for woodwinds only and just I had to make this work somehow and I had to figure out how to movement, momentum for woodwinds. It presented some interesting puzzles, I think, as well.
2016, you won again with another tale, this time Tale yes, of the Lake. Yes. That's kind of been that thing every time we started a new tale is now we need to figure out something new. So we don't want to do exactly the same thing. And they're, they're also not sort of thematically connected. We, I'll have some maybe similar moments, but we didn't want to sort of reuse the same themes. We kind of want them to be in individual films. So, and of course, in Tale of a Lake, the big thing was to have this female vocalist who end up being Johanna Kurkela, who's this sort of fairly famous Finnish singer. And she obviously has this amazing sort of airy voice that really really uh, gave a sort of very new angle to whole music and also the image quality had, had be become much better because in Tale of Forest they actually used some like 10 year old footage from like DV cameras because they had just captured some of these like amazing moments that they could not recreate with new and more professional equipment. It just felt older that the footage but now now we had sort of very professional looking footage all the time and so it, it, we had kind of had to push the music also to have bit more of a sort of uh, produced quality, I suppose. So with that, well, we ended up having a bit bigger orchestra on that. So I had some real brass for the first time on the Tilt movies. But yeah, the, the, obviously the vocalist was the big thing. They actually had thought of having like a real actress talk uh, as the voice of this water spirit in the story. But then they, they thought that would be kind of cheesy to have the water spirit actually talk. So then we talked about, well, maybe the, the vocalist could be the voice of the water spirit so that's kind of what it became so one of the sort of the characters of the movie is, is sort of present in the music and also kind of speaking through the music so that, that was a really interesting uh, angle on that
2022, another tale became an IFMCA success. Tale of the Sleeping Giants. Uh, that was, uh, again, big upgrade again on the on the image, even though Tale of the Lake oh, it looked amazing. But this was like clearly like BBC level imagery. So sort of the question, like, what do we do with the music now? Because we kind of, that, that was like a big thing already having the vocalists. So now what do we do now? And then we happened to get the Tapiola Sinfonietta, which is one of these sort of, I would say the best chamber orchestra in Finland and they wanted to play on it and that that was a big thing we now could actually have real orchestra instead of sort of trying to figure out some samples to cover for it and also got this amazing studio percussionist uh, Mamba Asafa from Helsinki who, who he just played some really cool percussive rhythms so I could do like percussion only cues which I hadn't done before because I don't want to use like loops or, or whatever sort of samples to build those kind of cues. But when if you have real percussionists, then it's, it's really cool to do some sort of percussionally stuff. And then, of course, the, I think the biggest thing is we had this vocal group called Tuuletar, which is this uh, four-person vocal group. They have very cool sort of folk music meets sort of modern electronic music or, or other kinds of influences that, that they do on, on their own albums and also some like really cool a cappella works. I, I think one of them ended up on like a Game of Thrones trailer so they've kind of also done some work on scoring world. But yeah, they became the, the vocalists on that So and we also kind of did some very experimentive things with their voices. One of the sessions, one of the, probably the weirdest session I've ever done is because I asked the producer and director what, what are the favorite thoughts in this film, basically. Like just a couple of lines of text that you think is really important to you. And I had the, the vocal group sort of read these sentences by holding a chord, which kind of sounds like you're doing like a religious ceremony or something because you're holding a steady tone and then you're reading text and it was like really weird and totally wrong for the movie so everyone was just staring at me like what what are you doing <laughs> so, but i was like no no no, no it's just bear with me i i, I kind of have a, an idea so i took those uh, recordings and i i created these like random textures out of that because one of the big themes of the movie was sort of communication because the, there's kind of this story with the, the whales in the beginning they give out this message that travels through the the animal kingdom and, and then kind of we come back to the whales in the end of the movie and it's like how can i make something that sounds like communication without actually using words because we don't want to get into the whole mess of, of having actual words in film scoring that's usually a very bad idea because you have to translate and you have to have subtitles and whatever and it's it's very distracting so i wanted to have it sound like text without being that so when i did like this very sort of random synthesis of of those recordings it ended up being this sort of interesting texture of i think i kind of stole that idea from arrival because i think you are you are some kind of i, I don't know how, how he did did it that that in the movie but it, it kind of sounded like you it was kind of speech so i thought i had like well, I'm, I'm gonna try something like that so and that i think that became like the producer director's like favorite cues in the movie so it was a really fun experiment that kind of worked out so we, it was more of that kind of experiment stuff but of course we still had the big orchestral cues as well and there's like prokofiev style cues and whatever so it, there, there was it's kind of probably has the biggest range of uh, genres in all of all the tale movies
Concerning nature scoring, would you one day like to do the pinnacle scoring? A BBC nature documentary, if you had the chance, maybe noted by David Attenborough. Yeah, I I'm, I'm totally would love to do one of those. I think it's if I got the opportunity, I would jump jump on it. But I don't really have the contacts, I, I, I guess. But uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, let's see what we could do thanks to this show. <laughs> <laughs> As we've scored documentaries and features, do you feel you have a different approach when you're scoring features compared to documentaries? Yeah, for sure. I, I would say on features, you, you will have... Uh, the structure is so much around the dialogue and, and the sort of flow of the scenes and, and the rhythm, the, the the images. And of course, you can have that in nature films as well. If they, again, if they have very sort of cinematic storytelling, then you might have similar flow. But in, in these kinds of nature films that I've, I've done in Finland, those those have been sort of very open-ended and and that, that leads to a very different kind of film scoring where you're kind of almost just writing songs without words but still you're, you're kind of creating music and in, in, in a different not in a void but still it's 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 much more open and, and also i think it's much more sort of specific when you're working on on narrative uh fiction or dramas or that kind of stuff because it, it, you really have to think about the meanings in, in very specific ways. If I go up here, then what do people think that line that they just said or that they're going to say? What the, what does that mean? So the interactions are happening all the time. So you kind of have to be mindful of all of that. So yeah, it definitely feels much more sort of strict structurally and in other ways as well when you're doing narrative fiction. Yeah. In features, which genres do you enjoy working on? I do always get a bit giddy when I, I get to do like adventure, or this kind of big sort of soaring or swashbuckling orchestral music. I just get a big kick out of that. And I, I always, when I was sort of just making music for fun, I, I always ended up creating a sort of like really epic or at least very big, big build-ups in my music. That was actually one of the first conversations I had with, with Thomas Gondelin when I, when I called him initially when I got into Bills Academy and he asked me, what kind of music do you want to do? And I said, like, big emotions. And, and he thought for like half a second and said, get out of Finland fast. <laughs> so it's it's true that Finnish movies have tended to be more on the subtle side and or even quiet. Like there you didn't used to be film music, frankly, before Thomas came along in like the late 90s and he started doing like orchestral scores in Finnish movies, but it was mostly like quiet movies. So yeah, Finland is probably not the best place to do but i so i've kind of do surprisingly many adventure movies actually so i kind of maybe started in a good time because those kind of came back in fashion so that's definitely you know like like super furball type movies where you have kind of this animation influence as well it's just so much fun to do that kind of stuff so that that's kind of a separate thing from like doing the sort of drama music which is more kind of it's more serious in a way but it, that's of course very fulfilling when you Gonna create that sort of some of true emotion for for people, and they they really you can see that really affects people. Then obviously that's that's amazing. But but those are more challenging is probably not the right word because those are definitely it's not easy to do adventure music for sure. I get into kind of this groove I think with with the adventure stuff where it's just like it just feels fun. It's, it's still work, but it's 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 really fun. <laughs> that's actually interesting thing about the sort of genres. I I I don't think there's been sort of focused education in in my 
past of of different kinds of film genres. It, it, it's kind of just is this one big hole that you kind of navigate. But it, it's kind of interesting because they are so different. Even just film in general, it, it's kind of this grammar on its own that you kind of just have to adopt. It's it's really not easy to sort of teach drama in a film. Like I don't mean just drama films, but just like the the how the whole thing works. And I remember like when I was in fil- doing those short films in film school and it's so weird to me like how can you tell where music is supposed to start and stop but now it kind of feels very natural so so the, the whole genre thing is is really interesting and i wonder it maybe could be thought in a more methodical way but uh that didn't happen in my time so you kind of just pick up on the films that you you like you kind of your intuition goes from there
date, what has been your favourite directorial collaboration experiences? Um, well, I, I definitely will, I'll say immediately that Matalko on, on 5,000 Blankets was an amazing collaboration because he's so knowledgeable about film music and he's very musical, but he also it, it doesn't lead to sort of limiting the composer in any way, which is amazing because that, that I would imagine if I was sort of directing a movie, I, I would have a lot of very specific suggestions for the composer very easily. But but I mean, just really gives a lot of room and it's just like a perfect balance and just like how much passion he had for the film music and, and also pushing for us to have the orchestra and all that stuff. It was just one of a kind collaboration. So for, for sure, that's been one of my favorite ones. And uh, and also like with the nature films on with producer and director Marco Corrado, those being like really I've gotten a lot of sort of freedom to score those in a way that sort of looks like like myself, and it's been a very good relationship. I have to like specifically also for Finnish directors, I should should mention AJ Anila. He's another like very musical director who clearly understands music. I was just watching this TV series today that I'm about to score for him, and Temp Track was amazing because it was all my music. I, I sent them like my initial demos with with layers, so they could just pick whatever to use, and it was actually like, wow, I don't know what to do anymore this is ready like it's just very musically done the whole edit and, and the temp and of course i think the editor also has a has a role in that so i'm, I'm sure it's it's both of them but it's just again like very good collaboration where you know, sort of music has has a clearly defined place and reason to exist because i've heard actually like they used to teach in like the finnish film schools that if you, you use film music when there's a problem in the film then you have to use film music but if if the film is fine then you don't need music this is literally what they've been sort of there, there was like a teacher that that used to teach this film like that. So I, I'm so fortunate when there are directors who love music and they really know what what to do with that. So the, these kinds of collaborations are the best. Let's now talk generally about your music. Who do you think are your musical influences of your musical style? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because I I feel like I've I've come a long way from the time that I started. Whenever I I need to call upon a sort of the electronic style, then those influences are still there from from the early the Prodigy and Chemical Brothers, even like Nine Inch Nails, and you know, of course Trent Reznor is doing doing film film scoring these days, so that kind of sound is is getting in and the this style as well. But then. I started off with the Hans Zimmer stuff in the mid '90s. Then I got really quickly into the more orchestral composers like John Williams, and and then you know, of course at USC we're really studying a lot, a lot of Jerry Goldsmith's music as well. And, and Goldsmith, of course, was was actually a very early user of, of sort of electronics and other other experimental techniques with the orchestra. So I think Goldsmith is definitely a big influence because of that. And then there's so many like I, I would say like Michael Kamen or. Vasil Polidorius or Morricone, obviously, and and I feel like I'll be writing a score, and then I'm certainly like, oh, that that was like a total Alan Silvestri moment, and it, they, these just like <laughs> come up from the subconscious somehow, and it, it's this big mix of all the things I've I've heard before, but but I mean, certainly it feels like I'm often drawn into sort of films that I would see in my like teenage years. That that's always kind of your formative years, I think, for any kind of music. People will will really always carry that that music with them and then kind of even just as a listener i'm always interested in kind of new techniques as well but i, I don't think anything sort of completely replaces the what came in before it sort of just becomes slightly more refined in how how i like like the tale of the sleeping giants example where i was sort of using these more experimental techniques with the vocals but i still have this sort of very 
traditional clear like John Williams moments in, in that score as well. So it's it's this big big mix, I guess. Let me show your fellow composers working at present. Do you most admire? Well, um, I, I wouldn't say fellow because uh, the, the, John Paul is, is is older and and obviously very accomplished. But I mean, I'm I'm a huge John Paul fan. I would say always interested in whatever he comes up with because it's, it's just obviously like the How to Train Your Dragon scores and are being have been absolutely genius stuff and then to enjoy everything everything he does and i think he just does everything so well that it's, it's i would i've often i've often joked that my favorite composers are john and john and i let people figure it out from there <laughs> so so it's it's like that's totally i would that would be easy answer for me with with, with him i think yeah
Do you feel that film music should be functional in context, but also good music to stand out on its um, own? Well, I mean, the, that's kind of, it kind of depends on, I, I feel like the, the answer is actually that, that usually good film music will work on its own because it will be good music as well. I often think about the fact that you can sort of fulfill the function of film music in a scene with almost sort of very empty music. You can give the feeling of something without actually saying much. And I, I think that's really not good for the film either. And it's obviously not going to be very interesting as, as a separate piece of music. But I feel like the film or TV series or whatever, it deserves a unique signature. And kind of what happens when you do music that is sort of worthwhile and has a reason for existing beyond just, say, doing what kind of needs to be done. But it also has, has another reason to exist. And I, I think those actually kind of go together. So, so yes, I would actually say that good film music will be music that you can listen to it on, on your own. Of course, then personal preferences will dictate whether that kind of genre is, is for you. But I, I think if the music just isn't very interesting within that genre, I, I, it's usually probably not going to be very good film music either. I mean, it might may do the basics, but it won't sort of be part of elevating the project to sort of a very special status, which I think we should always strive for. So, so yeah, I think those go together in a way. What is your opinion of the state today and the future? Of film and TV music. Oh, that's a that's a really uh, interesting question. I, big thing with me is, of course, I, I love melody, so I've been kind of sad how it's kind of been out of fashion for a couple of decades now. But I I feel like maybe it's coming back a little because you you hear it in superhero movies like big big budget movies, and uh, you know it's not just drones all over the place or just uh, some very droneish stuff. So it's really hard to estimate where things are going. And then of course the whole thing with neural nets and, and AI and that, that that's going to be just so disruptive in, in many ways. I, I, probably not all of it bad, but also not all of it good. So it's going to be very hard to estimate where things are going next. But do you think that it's still like there's a lot of, especially the fact that sort of TV scoring has sort of become this very, uh, we have very big scores, like the Lord of the Rings stuff. And now, so, you know, TV used to be sort of not the, kind of on the same level as film, but it, is, it feels like it's it's come on its own really through the, through the streaming services, I suppose, because they, they've really upped the game so much. So I, I think there are a lot of positives but it's, it's really hard to say what the direction is. And I, I just hope that it sort of stays important and, and, and people are, are willing to sort of have sort of composers actually write some, some music instead of taking shortcuts that may, may save some money. But uh, at the moment, I'm sort of optimistic that things are going in a good direction. Now, away from film and television, what other source of music do you enjoy at the present? Still have the electronic side of me that I occasionally I'll, I'll listen to like some drum and bass music. So it'll be completely different from what I do. And I've never been like a big listener on contemporary sort of concert music but there are sometimes some very interesting like the Finnish composer Kaija Saario does very interesting sort of just very interesting sounds and I, I just find when it's really well made it's kind of interesting but I've never really because I'm a bit too young to have her gotten into the Beatles but I, I just saw the the Get Back documentary finally and and my uncle is like a huge Beatles fan and, and so I was like I, I'll listen through all their albums from the beginning and see how to get a better understanding and uh, that's kind of one of those bands that you cannot understand from a few sort of random hits that they have it, it's such an interesting arc as as artists that they had from that very sort of straightforward music to sort of very ex experimentation filled stuff so it's actually be some recent 
stuff that I've been listening is just through all the Beatles stuff. <laughs> I think you've already mentioned some already, but after your great score for 5,000 Blankets, what projects are you allowed to tell us you are working on at this moment? Well, actually, I, I think neither one of them because they haven't sort of yet been public about my... Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, I can't really name any names, but I, I am working on a TV series that it's is kind of multinational but basically Finland, Sweden, France I think are the main main locations for that and then there's an American movie that's hopefully moving forward I, I think they're still securing the final round of funding but, but basically those are sort of on the plate so I hope to be able to share more from them very soon But but and I just have the sequel to Finders of the Lost Yacht uh, the sequel to that come out in the theaters in Finland so we're we're, come, we're releasing that album on Movie Square Media in, in the next next week or so I think yeah yes I'm pleased you're doing some more work your music fully deserves a wider audience because it's absolutely superb in my opinion how do you see your career progressing in the future well, I mean that that's always hard because I feel like it's never gone the way I imagine. That that's that's like the only thing I I can really say for sure that always took a different surprising direction like with the nature films i had no idea i would ever be scoring like those those things and then they they end up sort of being very important in my career and, and for me personally so it, it's really hard what i'm sort of trying to do consciously is to try to get more sort of international films and i've, I've been doing so many finnish films i think i feel like it's time for something different at this point because i you know it's turned 40 so it's kind of this kind of moment of reflection of like what what should i do next and so i've been i've been really sort of working towards been trying to spend more time in in Los Angeles, and I have a, like a work visa active there already, so I can sort of just jump into local projects easily. And that's sort of I think the next phase of my career, hopefully, is to do more more stuff in in, in LA and, and maybe maybe in London as well. And if you want to see Five Thousand Blankets, it's available to stream and on DVD from March twenty twenty three. And if you want to listen to more of Panel's magnificent score for Five Thousand Blankets, it's available to stream or buy on all digital platforms. Pano Altio, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for joining us today on Talking Soundtracks. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. I do hope you have enjoyed my interview with composer Pano Altio. I must mention here that the Talking Soundtracks theme was composed by David Cusina. I leave you with music by Pano, which was released in February 2023. It comes from his score to Perza and Kilo, Rangers of the Lost Ring, and the cue is entitled Mystery Never Ends. My thanks again to Pano Arteo for joining us today on Talking Soundtracks on the Cinematic Sound Radio podcast, and until we meet again, for me, Jason Drury, is take care and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to Tee Public to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net. <laughs>